everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode six, uh, 361. That's 631. We've got a ways to go from that. Episode 361, The Summer Doldrums, recorded June 9th, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Drive Time Radio for Geeks. My name is Mark. That's it. Just Mark. These guys, these are your stalwart co-hosts, Seth and Miles. It just really, it's just bland without that, isn't it? Hey guys, how's I can it going? do with this, <laughs> dude. I mean, another. This is the summer doldrums. <clears throat> Throw me a curveball, man. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I thought I'd try it without that because we had, you know, we talked about the fact that it was, you know, it's just kind of an old thing that isn't really relevant anymore. But without it, man, it's like something's missing from my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm off. The, the rest of the show, I'm going to be off. Uh, well. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, I'm that way every week, so, you know. So this is uh, this is summertime. We're all dragged in different directions, and so as Seth has already uh, confessed to, he's a bit off. We all are a little bit off. It's just, uh, that's just the way it is, so, you know, just deal with it. You know who else was off last week? Host Monster, my podcast hosting. So if you were listening uh, or expecting to listen to this show on Wednesday didn't, and didn't actually get it until Friday afternoon, the reason is... Host Monster. Um, I would love to go somewhere else, but they own everything, um, <laughs> pretty much. But anyway, um, th- it was the the oddest thing. Uh, some things would uh, take the RSS update. Some some things wouldn't. Um, my computer got the feed update without a problem. My phone did not. Seth uh, texted me and said, "Hey, what happened to the show?" And I said. Uh, I don't know, and and I know that's when I noticed my phone didn't get it, and so I I started do, doing some checking around with people I know in different parts of the country, and roughly two thirds of the people didn't get it, about one third did. So I started looking for problems on my end, couldn't find anything. Regenerated the feed a couple of times, couldn't find anything. Finally got online with uh, technical support, um, which was neither technical nor supportive, um, and eventually browbeat the guy into clearing the server cache. He didn't want to do it. I finally said, "Dude, just humor me." And immediately everything popped up. So they had a stale cache for some reason. And um, there you go. That's just all I had to say about that. If you wondered why you got the show late, that's why. You know, there was some Google outages last week. I wonder if that was played a part in it. Who knows? I had uh, an experience, this was several years ago, where all four of my backup DNSs scattered across not only the country, but I had one outside the country, all suffered an outage at the same time. You know, the reason you spread things out is to prevent that from happening, but it did. And my site was completely unreachable uh, unreachable because all of my DNS servers were offline. It was only for like six hours, but that six-hour gap took almost 48 hours to propagate once it came back. So I was down for about, about two, uh, three days, two and a half um, just it was odd. Things happen. That's the internet for you. It's all just one big set of tubes. It's all fun and games. So somebody loses a website. <laughs> um. So uh, I just want to. <laughs> this is just a funny story to me. You may not like it. Um. As you know, I've been um endeavoring this year to spend more time uh being a maker i for me that generally means woodworking because i have woodworking tools and i like working with wood but you know it can be 
different things. But my goal, as I've stated many times, is to make 50 things throughout this calendar year. We're at week 24, I think, and I think I've made about 19 things, so I'm falling behind. Uh, well, it depends on how you count it. If you count 19, uh, full projects, I'm falling behind. If you count things, I've made like three dozen things already. Um, so thing-wise, I'm fine. But anyway, the the thing I'm working on right now is a clock. Uh, I made uh, I made something that I cannot share with the public uh, because it is it is a gift for somebody. But based on that, my wife saw the thing that I made for this other person and said, "I, I want one of those, but I want it like this." And and so um, basically, I'm I had to make a 24 inch square, which doesn't sound too hard. It's not too hard, but out of um, laminated materials at a 45 degree angle. So if you know your Pythagorean theorem, in order to get a 45-inch square out of a diagonal, you know, think picture a cutting board turned 45 degrees, right? That's what I had to work with. I had to make a 36-inch square and cut out a 24-inch diagonal out of that. So first off, it took pretty much all week to glue together all the little bits that that you wanted me to make. Uh, I spent all week gluing and clamping. And I finally got to the point, and, and you know, this is a week's worth of work, and now I'm about to cut it. That That is, of course, nerves ra- nerve-wracking. Uh, so I cut it a little wide just to make sure I had room, um, and I kept, every time I cut it, it was wrong. I, I'd come up with, like, a half inch short on this side. It's you're supposed to be a square. Squares aren't short on any sides. And I would... I would measure and I would clamp and I would remeasure and I would put the the laser on my saw along the line and it would be perfectly on the line and then I would make the cut right down the middle perfectly on that line and then it would be wrong. And I did this about three times, taking my 24-inch that I cut at about 25-inch square, it's now down to about 23 inches, when I realized that the, the, the angle I was using was not square. The square I was using wasn't square. It was old and it was warped. And I was using an unsquare square. Don't do that, people. Learn hmm. from my mistake. When your $13 or whatever piece of crap uh, Harbor Freight square that's been hanging in your humid basement for three years, maybe just toss that out and get another one. Just, just going to say, that's a thing you should do. <laughs> but I did finally get it sorted out. Kind of. How did it turn out? Look good? Um, well, it's still not finished yet, but yes, what I have there is looking good. What I'm making a clock, right? So it, you kind of have to envision a, a cutting board with different uh, woods turned at a at an angle but square. So, and then inside the, it's it's made of of mahogany and um, uh, maple, so a, a deep red and a bright white. And then the clock will go in the middle of it, and the little dots i'm not going to use numbers are going to be um black walnut inlaid into the wood so it'll be really nice eventually if i can pull it off that's a lot of complex angles and cutting and i'm not super confident about my ability to do it but on the plus side i've used up a hundred dollars worth of wood so you know that's going to go a thing (laughs) no 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 on the plus side you got to buy a new tool yeah, I haven't yet, but I will be purchasing a new square, a square square this time. Anyway, just a just a little story there about my maker's uh, journey. Um, Seth, what is Good Omens? I'm assuming that's media of some sort. Uh, 
it is the latest show from Amazon. Oh, yes. It is, um, you know, it's David Tennant, who I really love from Doctor Who, um, and this other guy, I, I don't recognize the name, but there's lots of people you, oh, he's in it, oh, he's in it. So, um, it's sort of like, um, I talked a little bit a few months ago about... Oh, that movie that I'm thinking of that I don't remember the name, Dogma. Uh, so okay. it's, you know, it's a good versus evil apocalypse kind of thing. I've only, I only watched the first episode and it was like, okay, I think I'm going to give it a try because, you know, at least I, this is only episode one. Um, it, they see they don't seem to be has a lot of movies and media they they're not out to bash a particular faith they're just pulling elements of faith to make a story and so you know if you're a uh, if you're a right wing you know fundamentalist uh christian don't watch this show because you will just, you will hate it and have a heart attack but you know if you're somebody who can say okay you know they're they're not making fun of they're just using it as the basis of a story and like i say i've only in the episode one pretty cool um and i'm going to continue on and see how it goes so hopefully i can finish that in the next week or two okay based largely on your recommendation i started uh hannah uh-huh. Um, on on Amazon Prime, I'm three episodes in, and each one is interesting enough for me to watch the next one. I wouldn't say I'm super excited about it, but at the end of it, I go, "All right, I'll check out the next one." So that's the way it's going for me. Okay, yeah, I yeah. Um, did you by any chance see the movie Hannah? No, no. Okay, um, I thought this was better than the movie Hannah. Okay, and Miles, you're apparently sucked into the new hotness that is trying to get everybody to stay on HBO and not cancel their subscription now the Game of Thrones is over, that being Chernobyl. Yeah, I, I, I watched it. Uh, oh, this is, it is, it is good. Um, yeah, I, you know what happened? Oh, there's a couple of people I follow on Twitter had mentioned about this thing. And, you know, it sounded pretty boring and uh, wasn't really going to work. But I thought, you know, I respect their opinion, so I'll give it a try. So I found it and I watched it and the first, it, it felt a little slow initially. Um, it's a HBO con- collaboration with a production company out of the UK that was based on Sky TV. I guess that's Rupert Murdoch's network. Um, but this is incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. They have completely... I don't know if they went to Chernobyl. I don't think they did, but they completely created Chernobyl, the city, the reactors, everything. And they tell this story. It, it's the most amazing story. And you, once you get past the first episode, it starts to really heat up. And it's incredible. I, I can only say great things about it. I won't, I mean, there's no, I don't know if you can spoil it. It's historical story right it's spoiler the, the reactor melts down the reactor melts down yeah yeah you kind of get that but what you what i never knew was why what i never knew was how the russian uh propaganda machine works to try to lie about every single thing in sight so that nobody knew how dangerous things were um i never knew about how much death and how much mm. pain and suffering was caused by this and it was all because of uh, uh, one person's quest for power that he had to test something before it was ready to be tested just so he could get a promotion to get raised up into the 
you know, Communist Party. That was what this was really about. And it, it's an amazing story. I absolutely hunt it down and watch it. It's only, uh, I think, five or six episodes, um, but really uh, it's a mini series. It's a really good one, though. This is one of the better ones I've seen. Huh. So I haven't seen that, but I've studied the Chernobyl incident quite a lot, just out of morbid curiosity, if anything else. But it is it is a story of hubris and stupidity. You know, let, let's turn off all the safety measures. And when the alarm goes off, let's go ahead and turn off the alarm, you know, because we don't want to bother anybody. And let's go ahead with this test that everybody has said we shouldn't do, including the people doing the test. And, and, you know, let's go ahead and do it. And then when it melts down, let's not tell anybody that's melted down and let's go ahead and, and kill firefighters because they're coming in thinking it's just a regular fire. And then let's not tell the people who are living now in an irradiated zone that they are because we wouldn't want that to get out. Just go ahead and let them die. That's fine too. Yeah. It, it's really funny story. A funny part of that, the story I didn't know was that the, um, the reactor design, they had like, at the time they had about 14 of these all throughout the USSR. And uh, the design was flawed and nobody had ever pushed a reactor to this level to test it that would expose the flaw. And the flaw was there was this master switch that's basically the big off button. So if you ever get into a situation where the thing's going to melt down, you press the off button. They'd never tested the off button. When they tested the off button, it did the polar opposite of turning it off. It accelerated it and kablamo. Mm. Um Thankfully, I, I was I was sitting on my tablet at the end of each episode, going right. How dangerous are U.S. nuclear reactors? <laughs> like you know, and the, and you you go to the, the Swiss nuclear energy people, and they say you know the American design is the best in the world, and it's got all these fail safes and way better than than this. And they ended up uh, retrofitting all the other uh, reactors after this had happened. But man, what a story! Yeah. Anyway, good stuff. Yeah, uh, I stumbled onto uh, you know as Netflix does, it shoves things in your face. This was the Chef Show uh, with John Favreau, who uh, directed uh, a number of the Iron Man movies and I think a couple of the Avenger ones. Uh, I'm not sure, um, but he did an independent show a couple of years ago called Chef uh, with John Leguizamo that I really liked, and he did all the cooking in that himself. And he had a, a chef, a, a food truck guy, uh, train him to do all the cooking. And he liked, he missed doing the cooking after that was over. So he decided he was going to do a show um, about cooking and just see if somebody would buy it. And Netflix did. And so when I was first watching it, it just wasn't super interesting. You know, it was, it was kind of a cooking show, but really not the best cooking show. But what sold me uh, on it for the first episode was Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, he knows all these famous people was there. And she, he was talking about when they were shooting Spider-Man. And she said, I, I wasn't on Spider-Man. I never did Spider-Man. Yeah, you, you did Spider-Man um, Homecoming. I didn't do Spider-Man. You know, remember at the end, there was a big press conference. and Oh, that was Spider-Man? Yes, that was Spider-Man. You were in the movie Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, uh, Homecoming. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And that little exchange made me think, okay, this is probably going to be interesting enough to watch. And so I've, I've watched a couple of episodes. And, and again, kind of like Hannah, at the end of each one, there's been a little bit of a nugget. It's like, all right, that's funny enough. That's good enough that I'm going to go ahead and watch the rest of these. So uh, I give it a, a, a qualified recommendation. Chef show. Check it out. Hmm. All righty. Um, the, the, one of the funny moments in the second one is um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, is there and they're eating. And, and um, 
they're just talking what you know what's your favorite your family's favorite food and his happens to be his brother makes larb and if you've seen spider-man homecoming you know there's a whole big scene about larb but nobody nobody do that that wasn't written for him it was just a coincidence that his family likes larb and there was a scene about larb and it was just kind of it was one of those moments like yeah all right that that made it worth watching this okay what is I, what is that i don't even remember what that is um you don't know it's thai food maybe i don't even know but you know there's a scene there when he and aunt may are at the restaurant and and they were eating larb and she's like what's wrong with your larb is it too larby is it not larby enough um anyway i don't recall yeah so okay cool so there you go just uh, a qualified recommendation there uh and then Seth, uh, no miles you've talked about black mirror a lot apparently season five doesn't disappoint um, th- came out this week, uh, three episodes, that's it. It was supposed to be four, but they did that thing on, was it Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve or whatever, where they did the interactive TV show thing that was weird. Good, but weird. Um, these are just regular shows. Uh, there's three of them. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Um, the first one, didn't really enjoy it. That's just me. The second one kind of really did enjoy it particularly the acting was over the top the third one is an omg experience uh and this has got of all people and i can't believe i'm saying this miley cyrus is in it and i can't believe i'm saying this but she is a damn good actor in this show it's incredible what she uh she does it's all got a tech bent everything's got a hidden message in there it's usually a kind of a dystopian technology can ruin the world kind of message. These are no different. Um, but the last one, wow. It's My head's still spinning over that episode. It's incredible. Cool. And Jinda in the chat room either is Thai or um, is good with Wikipedia. I'm going to give him credit for either one. He says, uh, Larb is a type of Lao meat salad regarded as the unofficial national dish, dish of Laos. So... There you go. Awesome. Meat salad. I don't even know what a meat salad. Well, I guess tuna salad is a meat salad. So chicken salad. Okay. I get that. Meat salad. Hmm, cool. All right. Learning something every day. As as Destin would say, you're smarter every day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the news. Um, everybody is getting in on the subscription service thing. Everybody wants you to subscribe to their thing. Why would Firefox want me to subscribe, and what do they have that I want? Okay. Well, it's not for the browser, um, but it is going to be like cloud storage and VPN service. So, you know, if they're getting in the hat with Google and Amazon and Grandma and Grandpa and Box and Sync and Boxy and all those others. So, but anyway, I I look at this as a good thing. You know, Firefox is... um, I'm not saying it's the best browser, but it's my favorite browser. So competition is good and, you know, they need sources of income. So um, anyway, I just thought it was cool. And, you know, if you want, if you like supporting open source, then this is a way for you to do that. You know, VPN is all the rage because um, anonymity is somehow 
triumphed has the single greatest factor in security these days, which everybody in security knows it's not, but the press doesn't seem to know that. So you get, um, you can get a VPN service and then you can also get cloud storage. So, you know, if you like Amazon, if you like open source, this is a way for you to get something back while you're giving to them. So I like the idea if, if it's a combined uh, storage and VPN. I already pay for Dropbox, which I got an email. They're saying it's going up 20%, um, you know, but they, they spun it in how that's such a good thing. Um, <laughs> but that's going to renew. Uh, so if I can get the same thing in an open source thing with a VPN, I would totally, I would totally do that. So I, and I've, over the years I've come to trust Mozilla uh, because I've used a lot of their stuff. They're, they're, I use their mail client. I use their browser. Um, I've used lots of Mozilla stuff over the years, and it has been solid and relatively secure. So, all right, I'll give it a try. Cool. Go Mozilla. Woohoo. And uh, sticking with the news and in the uh, uh, vein of uh, big companies deciding what you can and can't say, Google has decided to crack down on Nazi hate speech. So, um, yeah, the, the title of the Ars Technica article is YouTube bans neo-Nazi and Holocaust denial videos in push against hate speech. So, and then of course, one of the, one of the things they said is, you know, we won't go after people who are documenting these things, but yet a journalist who documents them has also been, you know, kind of caught in the blast radius of this. And, you know, look, I understand that, you know, everybody, it's, it's for the children and don't you love America? And, you know, you've got to save the planet and communicate with the wells and, you know, welcome our robot overlords from Mars who are, you know, started life on earth, whatever, whatever your, you know, idiotic belief is, you're, you're welcome to all of them. But if we, here's the thing banning their speech kicking them off and you know i understand you know this isn't a um this isn't a bill of rights issue because they're not you know they're not taking away your ability to say this they're merely muting your platform and actually they're not even muting it they're just demonetizing it so you're not going to make money off of it but here's the deal are we so stupid in this country that we don't understand basic logic, rhetoric, and reasoning, and we are so unsure of how to think that when somebody says something that we don't know about or don't agree, we take that as being attacked uh, and being, you know, oh, quit repressing me. No, I just said something you don't agree with. That doesn't mean I hate you. And, you know, okay, neo-Nazi, Holocaust denier, stuff like that, okay, you know, that's pretty bad, but here's the deal. If you take away their ability to put their ideas in the public market, you know, I bring on, bring on the best of the neo-Nazi argument, bring on the best of the Holocaust denier videos, you know, bring on all of their so-called facts, just bring them on. So that way you can see the best argument that the other side has to offer. And a lot of times for the really stupid out there stuff that you're like, that's the best you got. 
you think the earth is flat because of that because you dropped a magnet and it didn't magnetize you're an idiot you know what further proof do you, bring out your best and then you know if it's if it gets past what i know then if i care i can go research what the best on my side says and go oh my gosh this is how have i not seen this before or you know what is up with this so we can we need to grow up and learn how to understand what somebody says and not take it personally whenever something on the internet goes against us. You know, anyway, I just think it's stupid. And, you know, one of these days, uh, they're going to start teaching, uh, rationality and sanity. I'm, it's going to break out like, you know, just like a measles is coming back because of the anti-vaxxers, you know, maybe whatever happened will break down and sanity and rationality and uncommon sense will become common again. Miles, what are your thoughts? You ban one person from saying something. You set a precedent where they'll use that against you. Simple as that. It's, you know, that's how the law works. You you have one precedent of uh, legal state or history or somebody, you know, sues somebody over something else and now it goes down in history. It becomes the lazy way out for every other judge known to man. So what's going to happen is that if, they, if YouTube have the right to suppress speech of any sort, uh, then that right will be applied to wherever they choose to apply it. And that could be anti-competitive. It could be um, tomorrow they could change their CEO and have and be a completely right-wing establishment. Or they might decide that all of a sudden anybody who says anything about Facebook, you know, will ban them. Or anybody who says anything about Twitter will ban them. It just doesn't end well. It never does. At the end of the day, we're humans. And Seth's right. You know, we've got to grow up. And we've got to be able to say, well, if this happened in the public square, what would we do about it? Would we sit there and do nothing and allow them to fester and grow? Or will we confront them with an alternative debate? And I think the latter wins. At the end of the day, if you, you, you take away that person's argument, as stupid as it might be and as offensive as it might be, then I've got nothing to argue against. So I think I come down somewhere in between the two of you. Um, I first want to say Google absolutely has the right to ban whatever they want, be it Nazi hate speech, be it pro-America speech, be it anti-Christian or pro-Christian, whatever. They they are private, well, private-ish, they're publicly owned, but they are a company and they have the right on their uh, their own servers to do whatever their stockholders allow them to do. Um, this is not a legal issue, this is a business issue. And as long as what they're doing continues to make their stockholders happy, they're free to do it. Uh, and I have no issue with it whatsoever. What I do have an issue with, and and this is backing up what Seth said there, uh, that when you take out um, anything that disagrees with the majority, uh, when you silence it, you cripple the ability to think rationally, to accept a dissonant thought, to examine the dissonant thought, and then to either uh, reject it or modify your own belief system so that it's no longer dissonant. Those are the two things you can do with a dissonant thought. You can either reject it because it doesn't align with your beliefs, or you can modify your beliefs so that it does align with your beliefs. Um, you know, as an evangelical Christian, I spend uh, effort and have over the years trying to modify people's thoughts to come around to my way of thinking. And so I, of course, want that speech to be available to me. But if Google bans it, 
that's entirely their right. But I do worry about the fact that we are raising a generation of people who don't know how to do that, don't understand that process of taking a thing that is insulting or or confusing or in some way dissonant to what I understand and dealing with it. We have not equipped our children and their children with coping skills. And and that is a problem. Because when you when that happens, you know, uh, when it comes out of 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 YouTube and goes into the public square, that's how, you know, things like the Nazis to use the worst example possible. That's how they take root because people don't know how to stand against it because they don't know what they what they believe. They don't understand the concept of rhetoric, as Seth said. They don't understand the concept of propaganda. They don't recognize that the message they're hearing isn't truth because we have filtered out everything that is offensive because it's offensive and, and people don't know how to deal with things that that are contrary to, to what makes them comfortable. So they've lived comfortable little lives, squishing out anything that is that makes them uncomfortable, and now they don't know how to deal with it. So I think it's a, a symptom of a problem, not the problem itself. Uh, and I absolutely will defend Google's right to do this, but I will question whether it is right for Google to do to do this. There's yeah, I'm, a, I'm uh, not, a uh, go ahead, sir. Okay, there's a um, it's a it's a short bit of prose by a uh, German Lutheran pastor um, after World War II was over. Um, first, they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. And, you know, and I understand Google's not the government, but, and, you know, the thing is, the first step, it's it's never going to go further. And once a company, once an organization, whether that organization is a government, a company, a family, a church, a whatever it is, once it takes power, it likes the power and it takes a little bit more power and then it takes a little bit more power. And then by the time it gets, you know, Hey, if I can segment these people and keep them arguing and fighting, then they can't see what's really going on. And I mean, there's a little tinfoil hat in that, but also it's just a warning that says, be very careful before you go down this path because other places in the past that have taken this path have ended up here. And that's where I see the possible outcome of this. It's not, you know, this isn't tinfoil hat, tinfoil visor, build a bunker, you know, prepare for the zombie apocalypse and civil war and all that. It's just simply saying, learn some history and see what has happened when similar groups have done such like this in the past. But of course, we're better than them. These companies, these corporations like Google became mega corporations because of one thing and this is consistent across most mega corporations in the tech industry human laziness that's the exact basic dna of these companies we wouldn't need search if we were if we got off our butt and went to the public library you know okay sure it adds a lot more but the fact is google search has become a, a an empowerment to laziness um 
and Facebook, for example, I remember the days before Facebook when people went on bulletin board services and forums and, and created websites and had chat groups and things like that. And yeah, you had to go to five different ones to get a conversation going, but the conversation was moderated, but it was, if you didn't like that, you go somewhere else. Now Facebook controls the, the public square. And, and because of our laziness and our lack of willingness to go to multiple places to get our news or multiple places to go shopping or multiple places to have a discussion, these corporations have become so big and so large and so utilitarian to our lives that they, they completely break the original constitutional model that freedom of speech is available to everybody except in the private you know, corporation, well, the private corporations got bigger than the public square. So now what? Do we say, well, because they have a legal right under a document of over 200 years old that said that, you know, freedom of speech, they can be exempted from that because they've gotten so big, they're all bigger than government now. Does that mean that they should not be subject to the same restraint because at this point they can control the conversation and if they control the conversation they control the information they control the decisions and they direct you anywhere they want you to go that's a false connection to to say that because google or facebook are nation-sized in their budget that they are to be treated like nations that's a false equivalency Um, the first amendment doesn't apply to companies The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law. Who does the First Amendment apply to? Congress. What is it about? Making laws. Nothing else matters here in terms so if you can talk about uh what is what what you believe to be morally uh, right, but you you cannot bring the First Amendment into an argument about Google or Facebook. You just can't. That they're not the government and they're not making laws. Because they're big and rich doesn't change the fact that they are not the U.S. government. Also, the First Amendment has no jurisdiction outside the U.S. Yeah, but at what point does it now become almost becoming an irrelevant document? I mean, well, I'm not then look, change I'm a, it. There is a process I'm a libertarian. for that. I'm a constitutional libertarian. The problem is that it's not kept up with the fact that organizations can become bigger than governments. So, and so write your congressman, make a movement. There's a process. We have an ability to amend that document. We've done it several times through the course of this country. But there's actually a, 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 an ability to call a constitution, constitutional convention and scrap it and start over again. There is a process for that. Go through the process. Don't just say it's not relevant, therefore we'll ignore it. It is the law of the land. Whether you like it or not, it's your land. It's your, you're a citizen of this country. It is your law. Change it if you don't like it. Don't ignore it and don't say what ought to be. Go make it happen. I'd love to be able to agree that that's a possibility. I really would. But I think it's like unicorns and rainbows. Well, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not possible. I don't think it's possible in my lifetime. That's that's fine, too. Lots of things worth doing take a lifetime or more to do. Seth's sort of cringing there. What do you say? <laughs> well, no, I'm just, it went, the conversation, it went like morphing the conversation a little bit. Well, I don't know. I just, I, uh. <laughs> it, 
the whole constitutionality thing is almost that's another topic because whenever you know how valid is the constitution whenever people say it's a living document now and the the founders dreams and we you know people talk about the constitution but how many people have read the federalist papers that kind of explain what the constitution was meant to be and do you know now it's just like you know separation of church and state nowhere in the constitution but you know that's by the constitution you know there's all kinds of rights that people take for granted today that are not in the constitution that were created by activist judges and not the legislative body of this country and so they've taken the constitution and held it hostage to their whims and i don't know it's just it's a sad day. Um, well, it, it's a sad time to be an American with an eye to history, with the principles that this nation has rarely lived up to, but used to, we at least tried. And now we don't care because we don't have to talk to people. I can look at somebody's Facebook post. Now I don't need to talk to them and say, Hey, how was your day? I can look over Facebook and see all the pictures they posted. And so if you're somebody who struggles with, you know, being an introvert versus an extrovert, now you don't even have any reason to talk to people because, Hey, how was your day? Oh no, never mind. I watched that. Hey, how was your kids? Oh wait, no, I saw that <laughs> on Facebook. Hey, how was, so I just show up at the same place and sit in the corner and, you know, eat some party food or whatever. And, and there's, there's no conversation because the conversation plays out in a medium where I'm watching somebody's projection. How many photos did they delete before they found the right one to make everything look perfect? And I don't want to post there because I have all these perfect people and versus my private life and everybody's thinking the same thing. So we're setting up this plastic superficiality um, society that was not created by Google or Twitter or Facebook, but it has, they have exacerbated the problem and now they're exacerbating it even more by, you know, taking people who you may or may not agree with and burying their stuff so you can't find them and they won't, um, and, you know, they won't even show up to make you question your beliefs. You've just created an echo chamber for everybody. So why did, why did Facebook become an echo chamber? Because that's what we wanted. They did what we wanted them to do. There was no sinister intent they found out that when we do X, we get more views. Views is what make us money. So we're going to keep doing X because we want to make money. Why, why are they uh, companies uh, larger than the gross domestic product of many country, uh, countries? Because we give them that money. We give them that power. So when you say they exacerbated it, I, I totally disagree with that. We did that. Just same way that when you talk about you know uh, uh, a corrupt government, we did that. That's us. We are they. We are the people. The government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. Whatever you disagree with is your fault. Maybe not you singular, but you plural, as in this country. We made Twitter what it is. We made Facebook what it is. We made Google what it is. Do they bear some responsibility in that? Absolutely. But in the end, their objective is to make more money. That's what businesses do. That's, their, that's what they're required to do. It's their fiduciary responsibility. It's against the law for them not to make money for their stockholders. Yeah, and you know, and it's one of those it's one of those cases where 
it's the it, in government it's the difference between a republic and a democracy and you know in in companies man i hate all of the crap that happens on facebook and how they tweak stuff they do that because that's what the majority of people want and rather than give options they turn on the tyranny of the default and you get swept away in the madness and you know and if you disconnect then you've disconnected from society and yes it is a you know yeah like i say they didn't create the problem but they just they've made it too easy for us to fulfill the desires of our heart and we don't like it whenever we see what the desires of our heart lead to as a society well it's also it's also a representation of um the corporatization of this country because we are so it, I, I remember a long time ago where governments used to be proud to go out there and say, well, we're going to create a public-private partnership to build a road or to build a bridge or to do something that you know was a necessary thing and there would be benefit by them partnering with the private sector to do it. There's, there's, there's room for that. You know, It makes sense. However, what's happened is the private sector has gotten so big and so threatening to government because all you know elected officials need campaign contributions to be able to run for re-election, uh, that the corporations are now actually dictating the terms. The government is, is just basically saying, yes, no, whatever you say, Google or Facebook or Amazon or whoever. And at the end of the day, we're creating laws that suit those corporate efforts and corporate initiatives that aren't necessarily to the benefit of us. So if the corporations like Facebook and Google and so on control the public square, the government is happy to create laws to, to allow that to happen and to restrict them from any oversight so they can do whatever they want to do. That's my concern. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the spirit of freedom. That's really what it comes down to for me. And I don't think a free society is an ill-informed society. I think a free society is a well-informed and an active and uh, participatory society where people get off the couch and get off the phone and get off the laptop and go out and actually do something. But we've created such a buffer zone between uh, willingness to do that for a start and the ability to do that because of all of these you know, inherent corporate interests that are controlling uh, our ability to do things like that, that these days of the past when you could rise up, you could protest, you could do this, you could make a difference at an individual level or even a community level. I, I don't feel comfortable saying that those days are, are with us anymore. I think they're gone. And I, and I'm, it's scary that it's become that because I think that the only people who are to blame are us. We're the ones, as Mark rightly says, we're the ones that empowered Facebook and empowered Google. It was our laziness that made them big. And it continues to do so. And at some point, now we got what we wanted. Do we want it now? I don't know. We didn't actually want it from the beginning. We just didn't know we didn't want it. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you got to get the thing before you know you don't want yeah, it. Yeah, be careful of what you wish for because when you get it, you might want, yeah. want it. And that's what's happened to you. My, my youngest daughter on Christmas Day this year learned that knowing is sometimes not as good as not knowing. Right, and I'll let you decide what that means. Uh, but that is a thing that is is true, not just of ten year old uh, daughters, but of life in general. Sometimes it's better not to know. Sometimes it's better not to have. But I just get a little triggered 
when people try to invoke things that aren't invocable. And, and so I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to continue this discussion. In fact, where, you know, our time is ticking down. Uh, but you know, this is a discussion we've had repeatedly over the years and probably will have again, uh, because as much as, as much as miles and I agree about a lot of things, we differ on some very fundamental core political beliefs and, and that's good. That creates friction. I learn from him. I hope he learns from me. That's, that's how this is supposed to work. Um, and you know, and the the concern is valid that um, if, for example, we are do having this conversation via Google Hangouts, if Google decides that um, give and take is too con- uh, confusing or triggering for some people, and decides to shut us down, that would be a bad thing. But it's also entirely within their right to do that. However, if they were to do it, we as smart active and not lazy people would find a way to still have our hangouts and continue our podcasts and continue our discussion without them. Right. That that's good. We at least can feel comfortable in knowing we have a plan B. Um, but so many people out there don't have a plan B and so many people are from generations that don't even know what a plan B is. All right. I, the only thing I have left to say is Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, so this week in history, June 6, 1995, the Los Angeles Times reports that the Vatican Library will be brought to the web. And whether you're a religious person or not, just think about this from a historical point of view. While one could um, and argue that the uh, Catholic Church in, it current, in its current form ha- has or has not existed since the time of shortly after Christ, you cannot argue that the Vatican has been where it has been for a very long time, and they have tons of historical resources out there, and so digitizing them and putting them on the web gives you a insight into the history of culture and faith and just society because for a lot of time the church was the institution holding Europe together you could agree that you could say it was a good thing or a bad thing but you would be hard-pressed to say it wasn't a thing and so them putting their archive on the web I think was a good thing and that was announced this day in history in 1995 and now back to you Mark that is a huge project that took place very early on um, you know props to to the Catholic Church for being forward thinking and willing to take on a, a hard task what at the time today would be difficult back then was monumental so yep. to the point that you know they needed ibm's help to do it um props to the vatican for that yeah. so right. yeah that happened this week in history that's a thing <laughs> Um, and now Seth is going to uh, if I'm reading his uh, um, headline right continue his theme of, of bank and investment related links and and go all right so you know I believe in personal responsibility and I believe in 
you know, in much the same way when the you, when you're flying an airplane, you've got to secure the mask on yourself before you can help someone else. So if you are lamenting the low rates provided by bank CDs, there is a website that is, it's called streetshares.com. It's a primarily a veteran company that loans to veterans and you don't have to be a veteran to qualify. And caveat, this is investment advice. So consult your, you know, tax and uh, accounting professionals and it's an investment. So your money is at risk. What's good for me might not be good for you, but you can put money in here, earn up to 5%. The caveat is you can't access it. If you access it early, just like a CD, there is a penalty, but you know, you can start with as little as $25 and add to it and grow. So you don't have to be a mega rich person like miles or even a semi wealthy person like Mark. You can be a poor guy like me and start here so you can move up the ladder. So streetshares.com has a way to begin and has an arts, has a tool in your tool belt of future financial freedom. So in case you don't know what a CD is, a traditional banking CD is called a certificate of a deposit. Essentially, you agree to put money into a bank and leave it alone so that they know that they have that revenue source for X amount of time. Let's say four years. You you do do a four-year CD that says, I'm going to put this money here and I promise not to withdraw it for four years. And the bank says, all right, if you'll let us have it for four years, we'll give a higher rate of return than you would if you just had a regular savings account. So that's a CD. This is a privatized version of that. You put your money in for a term and they promise you what would be considered a fairly high rate of return, um, but they're going to take your money. And what's not like a CD is you can lose it all. A CD is a very safe investment. This is not. This is a, a potentially risky investment. Right. Is that an effective summary, Miles? Yeah, I think so. I'm just, um, I, I, I don't like counterparties. That's just me. Um, but somewhere you've got to put your money somewhere, I guess. So, you know, pick them carefully. If you're going to put your money in and give it to a third party, it's imagine that you are giving it to your friend or your aunt or, you know, somebody and that it's out of your control and you hope that you're going to get it back at the end. And 99 times out of 100, you do. And one in 100 is Lehman Brothers. So, you know, just be careful. Never then, invest money you can't afford to lose. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't put that in the blurb. I, th- I tried to, <laughs> you know, do a covering blurb, but I did mention you could lose some or all yeah. of your investment. So, and and that goes for your four hundred one k, right? Ask people who were heavily invested in Enron how that worked for them. Never invest money you can't afford to lose. Yeah, I, I just I had a side issue with talking about this. I just decided to open up a uh, an account for uh, my IRAs that actually invests in physical gold. Uh, I found a company in Texas that actually offers a gold vault storage for physical gold, and you can actually put you a you know a small portion of your IRA or your four hundred one k or whatever uh, into physical gold if you think that that's a safe haven. There are now means to do that, apparently. So I'm going to give that one a shot. Huh. Over the last 60 to 75 years, gold has been a horrible investment, just statistically speaking. Well, yeah, it, it depends know. on when you're talking about, because there was a four or five years ago where it shot way up. And so it just it depends on the dates you choose for your <laughs> analysis. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to time the market then you can certainly make a lot of money with gold. But over the long term, it has been less than the average Wall Street return. 
Yeah, but what they don't tell you is that, you know, most of the Wall Street return happens on basically 20 trading days a year. And so, and again, regardless of what you're talking about, past performance does not guarantee future results. True. And the one thing about gold is it never has been, probably never will be worth zero. Right. And it is meant to be a hedge. I listen to this one guy and he talks about in the time of Romans, what would a bar of gold buy you? It would buy you, you know, like a good toga. So today, what does an ounce of gold buy you? It buys you basically a good suit. So you haven't gained money, but you've hedged against inflation. So that's what gold does. It doesn't grow your wealth. It's a way to attempt to protect your wealth. Yeah, I, I like to use the loaf of bread method to talk about what your uh, whatever it is compared to loaves of bread roughly gold has bought you about the same amount of loaves of bread throughout all of history roughly so it's always interesting to me like if you put it in a cd like like seth's example here and it, let's say it's five years what does the world look like in five years time and we, no one can predict the future but you're hoping that what you get back is going to be at least have grown faster than the rate of inflation and that you got something out of it at the end. Um, the question is, A, will you get anything back? And B, what you get back has to be better than what you put in it in the first place or you should have stuck it in a shoebox or gone and right. blown it on at the casino. I mean, <laughs> uh, so that's really what it comes down to. As Mark Twain said, the best way to double one's money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. <laughs> Uh, so this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Surely some of the things we said in the show invoked a thought in your brain. I'd like to know what that thought is. Go to elementop.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page. By the way, that website is so old and tired and I would love to redesign it. But frankly, I've been out of this for so long. I don't even trust my ability to do it. Uh, short of throwing up a stock WordPress or Joomla or, um, What's the one I'm on? I can't remember. Drupal uh, theme. I, I have no skills anymore. I have, my skills have atrophied. So I would like to redesign the website. Anybody out there want to do it for me? I'm not saying for free. I'll pay you. Um, I just need a good eye and somebody good with databases to take my almost eight-year-old database and and very gently lift it up without cracking any of the eggs in the, in the nest and and put it back on onto another oh, server. Wesley. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, elementop.com, click the contact us button. Let us know what you think. Also, let me know if you're a hotshot web designer and uh, want to uh, to move my stuff. I like to know, I mean, we. I like these kind of discussions because, you know, as I said earlier, I learn from it uh, every time we do it. Uh, I know, as Seth said uh, before we even started the show, that this is one that, this is a topic we've talked about, I think his words were, this is what we always talk about. Uh, I don't know that we always do, but we do a lot because we have certain interests and, and we this show is us talking about what interests us. And we hope that our listeners have the same interest. Um but I would like to know what you think. I would also like, if you have an idea, if you want to to throw a piece of meat in the ring and have Miles and I fight over it, let me know what that <laughs> is. You know, throw it out there and, and we'll see. Because uh, I like having spirited debates with intelligent people. Because that's the best way to not only examine your own beliefs, but to understand the beliefs of others. It's a good thing. So oh, I don't. let us know what you think. Elementopi.com. Uh, or you can send us an e- email, geekrant at elementopi. Uh, but uh, that's it. We won't see you next week because it's Father's Day, and I'm just going to take the day off because I can. 
Um, when you get to be a 40-something-year-old man, you really only get Father's Day and your birthday to do whatever you want. So I'm going to exercise that right to do whatever I want, and I will probably eat 30 ounces of beef and nap. That's my plan for next week. So we'll see you week after next, which I think will be the last show of the summer and my calendar's not coming up, but we'll talk about that more. We're taking July off. Then we got one more after next week. Uh, so we're going to take July off um, just just because it's the summer and, and we need some time off. And we usually take a summer off, uh, a month off, and a, and a winter month off. So it'll be July, but we'll talk a little more about that in the shows to come. So we'll see you in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of The Geek Grant. And remember, pay for what you like.